This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, this is Lou Roberts. This is Tyrese Campbell. And you're listening to the Every Step Along The Way podcast. Hello all, welcome back to your Every Step Along The Way podcast. Uh, this week I am joined by Mike. Mike, hello, how are you? Evening mate, yeah, I'm good thanks, how are you? I'm not too bad, it's just us two of us, isn't it, tonight? Yeah, we apologise, but you have to hit, listen to our dulcet tones. <laughs> we, we've, we've, we've tried to go all in on the audio, so you don't have to listen to us too much, haven't we? <laughs> yeah, because we were supposed to sit in here with dodgy chests and throats, so uh, we're going to have to do some editing of all the coughs and splutters we're going to be having during this. <laughs> oh, well, but um, yes, what we're here to discuss, obviously, later on we're going to get into the Sheffield United game um, of Church of Bramall Lane on Saturday, uh, but before that, we're going to talk about a win, a Stoke City win, Mike, an FA Cup one at that. <laughs> um so yeah, we avoided the banana skin, didn't we, on Sunday, mate, and got ourselves through to the to the fourth round of the FA Cup. Yeah, exactly that, mate. To be fair, let's be honest, it was a, it was a, an easy win, wasn't it? Um, at no point during that game did I think we were ever in trouble. I mean, you, you never know with Stoke, especially against lower league opposition. You're thinking, oh god, you know, we just turn up with the wrong attitude, and you no, know, we could get turned over. Um, but yeah, I mean, yes, they scored two of the goals for us, but. At the end of the day, you know, we've we've put ourselves in positions where we've 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 made them make decisions that have led to, to goals. So I don't think any Stoke fan cares whether the you know Jacob Brown scores all three or or whether they score all three. It doesn't really matter. We just need to get through. So yeah, I mean, I, I, it's one of them. I was I was trying to think about you know who who was like shining light out of the game and anyone I could really pick out. But if I'm honest, I think because it was such a one sided contest. I thought it was actually quite tricky to pick out any, you know, majorly amazing players from it all. I mean, I don't think anyone really had a bad game. Um, you know, Conatelli did well. Morgan Fox continues to impress me, mate, which, well, everyone who's listened to this podcast for more than five minutes knows that we weren't exactly raving about that guy. But sometimes you've got to hold your hands up and go, look, you know, he's, he's proven me and, and everyone else wrong this season. Um, so I thought he was good. And I think probably if you wanted to pick out one attacking player, um, got to give it to Nick Powell. Uh, him and Timon, I'd say, really bossed that match. Powell was getting into all the positions. He was you know, laying balls off. He's 
dominant in the air when he needed to be. I mean, I think the original flick on for the first goal, kind of, if I remember rightly, uh, he was involved in. Um, it was just, yeah, it, we, we were seeing the Nick Powell that we've all been crying out for, uh, for a fit one, uh, you know, for, for some time. And if, you know, we'll get onto teams later, but if you think about what he's offered so far versus what a small bone would offer in that position... I think already he's showing that small bone isn't isn't up to the task. So hopefully we can keep Nick um, fit, mate, and um, maybe this is the chance for for him to start breaking through now. I'll let you take a breath. <laughs> You've got a lot, you know, a lot, a lot to digest there. Um, just running through my notes, see what I've got left. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry, but that was a very uh, long-winded <laughs> overview. Um. Yeah, I thought, like you said, I think it was a very professional display. And we were, we were levels above, weren't we? Let's be honest. Um, these shows that they are you know, quality footballers, championship quality compared to um, League Two, you know, bottom end of League Two currently quality. Um, and they, yeah, they got the job done, which is what we needed. Uh, as you touched on with the own goals, I, you, know, you can say, oh, they put two in their own net, but the delivery and the quality of the ball into the box and early balls into the box as well is what, what pushed them into putting the ball in their own net once it they couldn't it just shows, I suppose, the the difference between a, a defender in League Two and a championship defender in that championship defenders are used to dealing with that quality of delivery, aren't they? Um yep. maybe I'm doing maybe I'm not doing injustice. Maybe it was that good a ball that, you know, maybe a Sheffield United defender this weekend would have put it in his own net, for example. Well, I don't think we've done that enough, have we? I mean, a lot of the balls we've been seeing this season have been, you know, again, like we said in previous pods, long balls which have just gone to players, you know, like Brown or Campbell who aren't there to fight for balls in the air. Whereas, you know, again, if you think about the goals that we did have, it was about, as you said, getting the ball in. You know, look, Powell's obviously flick on. Uh, tried to cross the ball and the defenders swiped at it. Yes, as you could probably say, if that's the championship game, he probably doesn't swipe at it. He manages to clear it. But like I said, you get it into dangerous areas. Pulis was the same. If you remember rightly, and just 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 yeah. as an example, he was a percentages man, wasn't he? Like he's like, look, if you put that box fifteen times in a match, while three of them may just drop at the right time. If you don't put the ball in there and you don't put it into dangerous positions, you aren't going to score. So I'd like us to, to actually be doing that far more, mate. Um, in the league, let's get it down the sides. That's where your Tyrese's and you know, you know your Nick Powell's and maybe a Baker's if he can get himself further for forward. That's where they will capitalise on that type of a, a delivery. Yeah, definitely. And I think, like I say, the first seven goals did come quite early on as well. And I think it helped, didn't it, that we did get that early goal because at nil nil, we were quite cautious to me. And I think we were slow to move the ball up um, yeah. up until the actual the move for the goal. And I think I think to me that's a lack of confidence more than anything. I think it showed that they were a bit nervous. Um, obviously they haven't had a great run recently, have we? We've only had the one win since since coming back um from the World Cup. And a bit of pressure on them at felt, and maybe they were feeling that early doors. And that, I think that the first goal just seemed to settle them down and you know, make them think, well, yeah, this this hopefully isn't going to be a banana skin for us. We are going to, you know, get through it. We can obviously get on to the, to the draw in a sec, I'm sure. But um, I think for me as well, another player which we've probably missed, and um, I think this is probably going to allow the likes of Baker to go further forward. Again, Jordan Thompson, 
Um, he really does play for me that the Glenn Whelan position. You know, he for me, he wasn't amazing. Some people thought he was really good. I mean, maybe I just wasn't watching him well enough. But, you know, for me, he's just... He just does all the the nitty gritty bits, doesn't he? And you know, breaks up the play in the middle, which allows you know the the, the Laurentius world and let's say the Powells and Bakers. Um, I think he does a, a job that, again, we've probably been crying out for someone who is happy just to sit there, do all that, and let everyone else express themselves, rather than you know, for example, Baker, who's been playing deeper, so he's trying to break up the ball. He's, we're expecting him to then go on and influence the game. Whereas it's probably unrealistic to expect the guy to do that. So I'd like to see Thompson stay in this team now um, and hopefully bring Powell in to, and Laurent to, to complement Baker. And I think we might start to get a bit more of a settlement field then. It's for you, sure, because I've written down here, I think Thompson's benefiting from a run in the side. You know, when you say you know, players need five, six games to really sort of settle down, I think that's what you've seen with Jordan Thompson now. He's had a few yeah. games in. Uh, obviously, Josh Laurent's been out injured. Um, and yeah, he's had these five, six games, and now he's starting to sort of, you know, show what he what he can do. Um, I think, yeah, like I say, he knew he scored, and he keeps the ball moving, which I like as well. He doesn't sort of hold on to it too much. Um, but yeah, I mentioned Josh Laurent there. I mean, he came back in, didn't he? Had uh, a chance. Uh, obviously, former Hartlepool player as well. Um, solid, busy. Even had a, you know, he could have opened the scoring at nil nil as well, couldn't he? he had a, you know, pretty good chance, a few yards out. The keeper fumbled, didn't he? And he got in there, but couldn't quite put it away. Um, but yes, yeah, he's been out. You know, it was his first start in quite a while. I thought uh, I was quite impressed. Uh, yeah, mate. I think he is a good player. I just think he is again is another one that has to have a run of games. I don't think he's the type of player who can just come in and have a have a blinder and then you can drop him for three matches and come back in and have a blinder again. I think when I think about Nick Powell, as much as I think he's got class legs, and we all know that, Nick has that ability to just come in and play play amazing and make a difference straight away without having to have that run in the team. I mean, again, I agree with you, mate. I think Lawrence been will be good for this team. Um, he was good with Baker before. That's when Baker's played his best football. So it'll be interesting to see what Alex Steele does. Whether that, because I mean, again, obviously he sent a few players, young young players, out on loan this week, um, and there was sold a few on there as well. And yeah, and sold sold a few as well. So you, it makes me wonder. And I think we we had this conversation privately um, off one of the the group chats as well. But like, is is this the beginning where? He's starting to go down again. I mentioned it. He always comes up on this pod. Is this where we start to go down more for Tony Pulis style again, where it's more about proven players rather than trying to bleed an entire team of youth? Um, so it'd be interesting to see how, how that pans out. But I guess before getting your opinion on that, I wanted to ask you, um, we, we both said Jack Bonham. I, I was very surprised, very surprised to see him stay in goal. I think everyone would have expected Bursic to stay, which opens up a potential, I suppose, a potential door is, is Bursic's time up. Well, it's funny. Um, I was going to mention this to you, obviously, that um, obviously we mentioned that Thompson, Laurent got his chance, um, Powell got his chance. But there was three players for me, Kilkenny, Wright, Phillips and Bursic, who maybe would have felt 
that this could have been their day, you know, their opportunity to to sort of have not have a few minutes and an opportunity to show the manager what they can do. Throw um, Fosu into that. Fosu as well. Although I think Fosu obviously compared to the other three, Fosu has played quite a bit anti under Alex Neal. Um maybe just maybe not recently. Uh, but the only thing I can think is that I noticed there was a stat around that six out of Hartlepool's last nine goals had come from corners. And obviously Jack Barnum, I'd say, is a probably better keeper at collecting corners than Bursic. So, um, you know, maybe that was something that, um, you know, maybe, maybe that was the reason why maybe the manager felt that he'd be putting Joe under pressure to bring him back into this particular game. Um as it is, you know, if he's going to give him a one-off game to go out and, you know, prove himself under pressure, you know, it would could this be maybe not the game to do it in? But when, when's the time for Joe to to come in then? I mean, in the next round, maybe, I suppose. But again, yeah, for how we've been at home, mate, is that a good idea, bringing Joe in against our home crowd if things don't go as a plan? I don't think that'd be any better, personally, but... I mean, it could. Let's be honest. It could just be that Alex Neal doesn't fancy giving young goalkeepers an opportunity, and wants <laughs> he wants players in there who he, you know, he maybe feels he can trust more. Another one, another lad who did, obviously did get in uh, an opportunity is Connor Taylor, and I think out of everybody there, you know, that we mentioned that come in, he probably did himself no harm at all, did he? With that, with his, uh, you know, his time on the pitch, but he did really well. Yeah, Connor Taylor was uh, was was solid, mate. And uh, you know, it's funny. We, you know, we we talk about youth, and you know, is is he going to play young players? And I was actually quite surprised to see that you know he wants Connor Taylor to stick around. Not not because I think he doesn't believe he's good enough, but just because again of the the amount of youth players going out. And I, I genuinely, hand on heart, do think that he is fully expecting Suter to go, whether it's now or in or you know in summer, and he needs to see whether. Connor is going to be up to it. Um, it could be for me. I think it is going to be as simple as that. Connor, you've got the next six months to prove to me that you are capable of stepping into this position when Suter leaves. Um, and so this is this is crunch time. I think for him, I, I really do think that. Um, and you know, yeah, he was he was solid again. Most games he's he's pretty solid as Connor. Uh, every now and then he does kind of lose a bit of concentration, but I think that's just you know just being a young player to be honest i think it's just experience but yeah for, for me mate he's got all the attributes that a suitor's got he probably just needs a good solid six to twelve months run on the team um and he'll be in a perfect place to take over suitor and then before you know it mate we've we've bloodied an, another young center back who christ 18 months time we could be talking to him about being a 20 million pound player not not bad if you can keep producing these 15 20 million pound players mate I mean, obviously the conveyor belt we had Nathan Collins, didn't we? Um, Harry Souter, uh, obviously now I say Connor Taylor. I mean, Connor's come from a, a low starting point as well, hasn't he? You know, he was he was um, he was at Vale once. He was released by Port Vale. He was playing for Stafford Rangers, and then we've picked him up from Stafford Rangers. So, you know, he's not he's not had the traditional route. He's not been you know in elite academies all his life, all his career so far. So. In essence, really, you know, there could be quite a bit of learning for him still to do. There could be quite a bit of room to develop. Um, and, you know, the more and more time he spends, um, you know, in, in like, say, for professional football. 
Also, another thing, obviously, we mentioned the defence. I mean, we played three at the back and straight away before kickoff, um, people were texting into Radio Stoke, I noticed, saying, uh, three at the back at Hartlepool, you know, all negative, negative Stoke, boring Neil. And, and I thought, well, the thing, I think what they showed in that game is that having three centre-halves doesn't define how you play because they were quite attacking at times. And I think... It showed that that formation, when done correctly and when done with purpose and intent, can actually be quite a positive formation. Um, yeah, 100%. it's just how the players play, since it's, it's it's down to them to make it a, a positive one rather than a negative. Yeah, absolutely, mate. And I think you know O'Neill and Alex Neil both said that it's not always about the specific formation; it's about the players that play in that and and how you build up build up play. I mean, the, the thing with obviously the way that we play is that we can go from a three at the back to a five at the back to then switch to a four, depending on how the game is. Um, and I think a lot of teams do that. I don't think we're anything special. You know, we we are able to keep switching from formations mid-match. I think it's very different to when you're defending to when you're attacking. I mean, if let's, let's be honest. If you, if you were to look at a game d- during an actual live play, we're not standing in a three-five-two formation or, or whatever, are we? You know, there's player, players in all different positions. So, I mean, I think the only time you'll ever see him in a three-five-two is in, you know, before kickoff. <laughs> you know, is, is a standing there ready to go. So, yeah, I, I'm I'm not too hung up on formations, really. Mate. It's very clear that this is how we're going to play. If we've got the players who can make a difference and, you know, and in those crucial moments get us in a good position and actually score his goals, then that's fine. That will do. I, 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 yeah, I'm not bothered about specific formations, mate. Yeah, I think the key is like that they've got Wilmot on the right hand side generally, haven't they? And Fox on the left of the three centre backs. So when Josh Timing goes forward down the left, the four defenders remaining can shuffle into a back four, and Fox is fine as a left back. And then when Harry Clark goes forward on the right, then they shuffle across into a back four, and Ben Wilmot is fine as a right back. I think yep. the problems occur when you have, say, Flint and with Jack Yalker in the middle, Flint one side, and you know somebody else who's not as adapt on the, on the left hand side, or maybe like when they were playing, um, say, Connor Taylor out on the left hand side, it doesn't help because not only is it that they're on the wrong foot, they're not naturally like play, they've not really played at fullback either. So not all, so when that happens and they've been asked to shuffle along a bit. They're in an unnatural part of the pitch. You know, they may have a winger then running at them, which, you know, for a big centre half, somebody like a Flint or whatever, isn't ideal. And like I said, like maybe when Taylor was there when we weren't playing Fox, he was he was right footer playing on the left. So I think that's when you run into problems with that formation, isn't it? But at the minute, we seem to have a decent balance of it, and I think it's showing. I think Fox is showing just how important and what a difference. Uh, a, um, having that that balance of a right and a left footer in that three centre halves actually makes. I mean, there was, there was another defender on there who actually came on, uh, Lewis Macari, somebody we've sort of been, you know, uh, covering, somebody we've been covering and uh, keeping a close eye on ourselves, haven't we? Yeah. And uh, in his time at Dundalk, and yeah, he came on and made his made his debut. So good on the lad. Yeah, absolutely, mate. You didn't have much time to, to do very much, but um, yeah, f- for me, mate, yeah, like you said, we've been a good advocate of his and um, you know all the reports have been really good on him. So 
I want to see how he's going to progress. Um, I, hand on heart, I'm not expecting him to actually make too many more appearances this season. But I think again, another one of them players who get him in around the you know the the, the match day squad. Uh, same with Emre. You know, again, just see how they pan out for the rest of this year. I would be surprised if Makari probably gets many more appearances at all for the rest of the season, just because we need points. And I don't know what scenario there would be where he will get a prolonged run in the team. So, but yeah, it's good to see, mate. Um, and w- w- what did you think of Emre when he came on? I liked how he linked up with Dwight Gale. I thought uh, it was good to see Gale back as well. Um, but yeah, I thought what that showed to me was two clever footballers working together. Um, they were sort of laying it into each other. They sort of knew where each other was going to be. And uh, they've got a forming to the you know, half-decent partnership there for me. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree, mate. And like you said, I think intelligence was the word that I put down at the time. He, he did. He didn't seem phased, not for a second. Um, I thought you, know, you mentioned Gail, just to slightly go back a little bit. Um, that bicycle kick from the corner, it just won't go in for the guy, will it? I mean, it's a cracking <laughs> bicycle kick, that was. Can't fault I wrote, yeah, but, but be nice if that overhead kick had gone in to break his dog. <laughs> I don't know how it's going to be for him, whether it's going to be a goal off his backside, a screamer or what, but... Um, yeah, it was good Good to see him back, mate. I mean, the guy just needs to plinking score. <laughs> With Tesco as well, I thought he looked a lot more at home than he did 12 months ago. I mean, not, it's not a surprise, really. I mean, he, he was 16 like, you know, 12 months ago. Um, and obviously, so you, you'd expect him to feel, you know, you know, advance more physically and and obviously technically as well in, in 12 months. Um but yeah, I thought there was a, a marked difference between the Tesgal of 16 that made his debut last year and the Tesgal at 17 now. What about sending him out? And this might be controversial. Why not send him out to Vale? Local club, no travel. He can just you know get a run in the team. There, that let's face it, they're having a good season, so they could be fired at the right end of the actual uh, league for me. I, well, I don't see why that'd be a problem. Well, I have heard, I have been told by a person who's. Quite um, clued up at the at Port Vale that they are interested in one of our young players on loan for the rest of the season. Oh yeah, the DiMaggio Wright Phillips. Oh really? Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, hmm. I mean, he's, he's clearly not on the plans. He's so far down that order, isn't he? Yeah, to show. So I think if he's fit and if he's fit and ready, and he's not getting the sniff at all. Um, then I, for me, I'd, I'd say, well, he can't do any harm. Can't do, he's got to be better than what he's doing at the minute. I mean, because he's not even playing for the 21s, which again leads me to believe, is he injured? Because at the start of the season, we felt that Connor Taylor was um, just been dropped and got face the earth. It turned out he picked up an injury. We just weren't privy to that information. <laughs> um, so maybe the same's happened with DeMarge. Maybe that's why he's not. Um, not not sort of been seen lately. Uh, how was the um? Actually, if it looked, how was the man of the match polls for for this game? I, I genuinely have not looked this week at all. Uh, so in third place was Jordan Thompson, twelve percent. Yep. Uh, Se- second place, Connor Taylor, fourteen percent. And mm-hmm. the standout winner with thirty five percent of the vote. Any ideas? Um, it's going to be. Oh, it could. Powell or Timon, I'd say. Josh Timon. Nick Powell's fourth, by the way. So, yeah, Josh Timon got man of the match. 
Um, so Ryan, Ryan Machin put on the Hartlepool players for scoring our goals for us. And that got 20% of the vote. Yeah, I mean, I know it's probably tongue-in-cheek. I think that's a bit harsh on the players that were out there, but um, <laughs> yeah. Um, just, I mean, obviously, after that, day after as well, fourth-round draw was made. Stephen each at home. You jumped the gun and put Aston Villa, didn't you? You chucked Stephen each out of the competition. I did not. To... That tweet no longer exists, so it never happened. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, I mean, um, no one saw that coming, did they? I mean, no, yeah. I didn't see it coming after 87 minutes when it was still 1-0 to Villa, no. <laughs> no, and let's be honest, mate. If they don't have a player sent off and their defender doesn't fluff his lines to give away the penalty, that does not end with a Stevenage win. So, I mean, yeah. I speak to somebody at work um, yesterday, actually, about this, and you know, he's like, oh, it's a potential banana skin. Give me Stevenage over Villa any day of the week, mate. Yes, it's a potential banana skin. Yeah, we're at home, which is not great. But I think in the FA Cup, you need you need a good run. You know, you don't want to be drawn away to Villa or away to Man City. You will take as many lower league oppositions as you can because the, the law of averages says you should be able to beat those teams. So for me, I just want the weakest teams all the way through the competition because that's how you can get through and, and go and win a cup. You need an element of luck. So I aren't worried about Stevenage. I think we'll beat them comfortably, just like we did Hartlepool. Um, I, I'm really not worried about it at all. On that note, <laughs> <laughs> they are second in League Two. So far in the FA Cup, they beat Gateshead 3-2 in Round 1, beat Kings Lynn 3-0 in Round 2, and beat Aston Villa 2-1 in Round 3. All three games are away from home. Uh, they're unbeaten in 12 games going back to a 3-2 home defeat to Northampton on the 22nd of October. And their last away defeat was on the 17th of September at Bradford. So Mark Hughes, last manager to, to beat them away from home. Um, that is, that's actually just taking out, there was an EFL trophy game at Portsmouth that they lost, but nobody counts that competition, do they? I mean, we won it two times, but still, you know, does make these stats look better then. Yeah, uh, so it's not, not as uh, prestigious, is it, as uh, the Auto Glass windscreen final? It's not. It's not no. quite what it was. No. What is it now? Johnston paints Papa John's. No. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, I suppose the big question is: Will TV decide that this is a giant killing in potential? Now they've beaten Aston Villa. Will we be televised? Before I go into any detail on that, what's your first impression? Yes or no? Absolutely not. No, can't see me in TV. It no, it never happens to us, does it? I mean, they'll you know what they'll do? Uh, they'll choose um, Man City. Is it Man City versus Arsenal? They'll choose that game because we don't see enough of that type of game at all on TV every week, do we? No, uh, they, well, they they need to give these lower league you know games. I mean, I'd have to look through the actual list of fixtures, mate. But I'm sure there's more worthy games than than that, to be honest. There is. Um, <laughs> I had I had it myself, and I could find eight, and that was coming from me. I could find eight games where I thought that looks to me like a, that's a better game for TV. That's a better game for TV, because uh, you know the only thing I can think is that with it, um, with them beating Aston Villa, they may see something in that to try and get it on TV with. 
But I'll just run you these games, right? Preston at home to Tottenham. Wrexham at home to Sheffield United. Man United v Reading. Man should not be on TV. But the fact <laughs> is Man United, they'll be on TV. Because yeah. ITV will pick them because loads of people are watching. They'll get loads of advertising money. Derby County v West Ham. Again, yeah. two, big, two big fan bases, two divisions apart. West Ham are struggling. Derby have been in the doldrums. There you go. There's the TV game, isn't it? Walsall v Leicester, Midlands Derby, League Two versus Premier League, League Two at home, potential there. That'll be a, that'll that's a decent TV game, yeah. Yep. Man City v Arsenal, yeah, that's obviously going to be on TV. <laughs> um, but it shouldn't be, should it? I understand it again. It's all about bloody money and making money out of fixtures and TV, but it shouldn't be. We see bloody Man City and Arsenal every week on Sky Sports or on some random channel. It's just it gets a bit boring, but it brings in money. So yeah, so it is the top two in the Premier League at the minute. Into one first versus second, um, and I could say two big fan bases as well. So that's what they'll look for, isn't it? They'll get they want the money back that they've paid. <laughs> uh, Brighton at home to Liverpool or Wolves, uh, and the last one I reckon it'll be up for that is Boreham Wood or Accrington versus Cardiff or Leeds. Um. Best case scenario for them will be Boreham Wood v Leeds, won't it? Non-league against yeah. Premier, non-league against Premier League. Uh, but even if it's worst case scenario, Accrington Stanley versus Cardiff is still a giant killing, and Cardiff have got decent numbers. So for me, I mean, it's probably bored everyone to death there. But for me, I think all them games. If I was a TV executive, all them games probably come before Stoke v Stevenage. I think we've done everything there, haven't we? Shall we? Shall we move on to this week's news? So, yes, news-wise. So, there's been a bit of transfer activity, but the door seems to be shut coming in. Uh, someone's locked it, can't find a key. Uh, the only door open is the outgoing one. So, Tom Sparrow, he has gone all the way to Hamilton, Alex Neal's first club as a manager. Uh, he's gone up there on loan for the rest of the season. Um, so, you would hope maybe that Neil maybe sees something in there, Mike, and he's trust the people at Hamilton and maybe got a few mates up there who we can sort of, you know, tell me how he's getting on, give me an honest assessment, you know, when he comes back. Yeah, yeah, I agree, mate. I think it's it's a it's a chance to to test him, really. Um he, I don't think he was really gonna break through here, was he, let's be honest. You know, he's a few a bit a bit too far down the pecking order. So it'll be interesting to see what we get from him. I'm sure we've got some uh, some per, some people we can keep in touch with up there. We'll we'll find somebody. Uh, we'll we'll get some regular reports hopefully on him, but yeah, he he needs an opportunity, mate. Yeah, definitely. Like I say, he's not the only one. Um, these two guys were actually were already out the door on loan, uh, but Eddie Jones, his loan move at Ultringham has been made permanent. So the Welsh under twenty one international, he's left the club for good. Um, so best of luck to him in his in his career, and Will Goodwin, and so another one who sort of brought in. We brought him from Chester, didn't we? Uh, a couple of years ago, he came in from Chester. He went out on loan, ironically, to Hartlepool last year. Uh, he's been on loan. Uh, he's been out on loan as well this year to Torquay. So we've recalled him from his loan at Torquay because we've got him in a, a permanent transfer to Cheltenham. Uh, and actually, he made his debut for Cheltenham on Tuesday night. Signed for them on Monday. Made his debut on Tuesday night and scored. We we actually spoke. I mean, uh, people at the time of this coming out. Uh, we people have seen it on social media, but we obviously spoke to his agent um, the other day. So if you obviously want to 
get a bit more low down on that in terms of the reasons why, etc., then obviously make sure you listen on Monday uh, for that podcast. But yeah, I mean, in, in short, mate, I think he's probably finding a difficult path through. Uh, obviously, he's probably got M Ray in front of him. I think it's fair to say that M Ray's probably a, for it an advanced thing. You've got you know you've got Delap, you've got Gale, you've got Campbell. Um, you know the, the Brown. He's at an age now where he probably needs a chance to go on and build his career. Um, maybe one day we'll come to regret that decision. But I think one thing you could probably say is that you know the guy wants to go out and and, and forge his own path. Um, and I think he, he just can't hang around forever, can he? So I'll be interested to see how he gets on. But um, I think there's a few Stoke, uh, Stoke fans who wouldn't have minded to see him given a chance in the team. But I just think it's the, just not the right time. It's just not worked out on on this one. I don't think. Um, just one thing I will say: if we've got um, is you were going to say he's subbed off after seventy eight minutes. Do you know the who who came on for him? Who was subbed on? No. Christian Norton. Remember that? Oh name? really? Yeah. Yeah, he is. Everyone was moaning about that one. He's not exactly lighting up the the league, is he? Well, he has not, because that was his 50th career appearance, and he's yet, at senior level, he's yet to score a goal. Oh, wow, there you go. <laughs> so, yeah, he's not not, not the uh, prolific goal scorer yet <laughs> in his career, um, but there's time, there's time. Yeah, he's obviously, to get 50 games, for him to keep playing him, he must be doing something, mustn't he? He must contribute something to the side. Um, but yes, like I say, on the subject of Will Goodwin... We mentioned he was on loan at Torquay, didn't we? And obviously he was impressing there. We've been keeping tabs on him. So as soon as that loan move had ended and obviously he got a move into the League One, we thought we'd, we'd go down and speak to our mate down at Torquay and find out, you know, what standard does he think he's at? Does he think he'll cut it at League One? And just, you know, how how gutted kind of thing are they to see him go? So this is what he's had to say. Sam here from Torquay Talk and Talking Torquay Pod. Uh, yeah, interesting news with Goodwin. Obviously, from our point of view, I'm very sad to see him go. His loan was until the end of January anyway. I thought it was the end of the season. It was actually the end of January. It got caught a bit early. Um, we were aware of these links to Chapman, but we just presumed it was a, a loan move, really. Um, that he's, a great, he's a great player. He's got a lot of potential. Is he legal and standard yet? We will see. I'm not too sure. I'd say he could just about do a job in League 2, but it's a big leap up into League 1. It definitely has potential to, but it's a very interesting step. Two and a half year deal as well, very impressive. Will be a bit of a gutting from Stokes' point of view, but w- we shall see. Uh, but yeah, no, he really had progressed in towards, I'd say, the last couple of months. He scored some very important goals, was so that FA Cup goal. So he's always going to be, be in a piece of Talkie's history of that FA Cup goal against Derby. Um, also, from our perspective, we were playing two strikers who are kind of similar players. They're both individually good, but never quite worked brilliantly with each other. When you're playing as a striker and a struggling team, it's very difficult. But he would have learned a lot from our loan spell, and I wish him all the best in the future. And yeah, it would be very interesting. One thing also about Cheltenham, our player of the season last season, our keeper, Sean McDonald, went there this season, and he hasn't played a game. I believe that has to do with the fact that they've signed a keeper on loan from Reading, which they have to play. But just, you know, we've, we've been in a situation before um, so we shall see with good win, but I presume if you put him on a two and a half year deal and they've probably paid us some sort of fee, then I imagine he's going to be around the first team. So yeah, uh, good luck to Will and thank you for having me on. 
So yeah, it appears he was was one of the leading lights there, um, shining light in an otherwise sort of disappointing season for Torquay, uh, Mike. But yeah, maybe, like I say, I don't think Championship was his level currently. Hopefully, like I say, League One, you'll be able to get yourself some consistent game time. The big news really around the club isn't really about transfers this week, though, is it? Rory Delap has left Stoke City. So obviously he came in uh, with Gary Rowett in 2018. Um, he stuck through Rowett, uh, Nathan Jones, Michael O'Neill, and now Alex Neal. Uh, but there's been a bit of a backroom reshuffle. And um, I imagine it was a hard decision for Alex Neal and his team to make. But they've, they've, you know, when that reshuffle's happened, Rory Delap's found himself you know, without, a, without a job. Well, it'd be in, I wish we would have been obviously we're never going to be privy to them conversations, of course we're not. But it would have been interesting to see how that conversation went down because you don't just wake up on a Monday morning and decide to make this change. This must have been bubbling around uh, for a little bit. Um, I think Rory came in at a time when we needed a a local connection, you know, to 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 the club. We need to keep that that kind of bond there. And obviously, since then we've had Fuller and Dicko and. And all that kind of joined the club in some capacity, Liam Lawrence, etc. Um, but I think he came in at a time when we desperately needed a a connection to a successful past. Um, and yeah, I mean, Rory, you know, ne- it was one of them people in in the club that you never actually knew what he did. If you like, he was is a member of the back, you know, the team. Obviously, a member of the coaching team. Um, I'm sure he had an influence, but um, I think it's. Those positions for me are always positions where you, you can't quite quantify somebody's impact, if you like. So just to uh, round up on this news section then. So uh, the under-21s, they lost 3-0 at Norwich last week. Uh, and they are this week they have got Forest at home at St George's Park. Sunday, 3pm kickoff. Uh, the big games for us also this week isn't actually involve us. It's Burnley versus Swansea which is 2pm on Friday in the Premier League League Cup. Obviously, as we mentioned last week and uh, before Christmas as well, uh, Burnley have got to win their two remaining Premier League League Cup games to stop us qualifying for the knockout stage. So the first one of them is on Friday, 2pm, at home to Swansea. If they win that, then we have to hope for a uh, a favour from our good mates at Arsenal, who host Burnley on next Wednesday at 7pm. So, yeah, if they beat Swansea, then we have to hope that Arsenal um, don't lose to Burnley next week. Uh, talking of Arsenal, unfortunately, the women uh, won't be facing them in the FA Cup. So that was the that was the uh, the carrot that was being dangled there, if they could get past Leeds. Uh, but even after taking an early lead, um, Leeds equalised after 20 minutes and then scored two goals shortly after half-time and run out 3-1 winners in the end uh, to end our sort of FA Cup run with the women's team. So um, it's very unfortunate for them and you know, we feel a bit gutted for them because it would have been a, such an experience wanting to play Arsenal in the, in the fourth round. And the under-18s, so they lost 4-2 to Derby at home. Uh, they were actually 4-0 down just after half-time. Uh, scored a couple of late goals, but I believe that that was because a lot of the under-16s were sort of knocking around in that side, as a lot of the under-18 team were, were being rested ahead of our Youth Cup game versus Manchester United, which took place earlier tonight. And uh, do you know the score, Mike? 
I certainly do, mate. We won one nil. We did indeed. So a Josh Bickerton free kick. Uh, took took a slight deflection, mate. Just 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 a slight one. That just a little one, yeah. Just took it from one corner of the goal to the other. Um, <laughs> but that does but that doesn't matter because yeah, scored after fifty seven minutes. Um, and regardless of what they had to say on MUTV about um, about Stoke not being very good and we won't go very far in the competition, just sour grapes. Just we actually thought we defended quite well, we looked really good. Um, Emre Tesco and Nathan Lowe had chances, uh, they, they looked uh, decent, and also Tommy Simkin in goal produced a couple of really good saves as well. So yeah, I think it was a very professional, another professional FA Cup display there. Uh, this time from the under 18s, like I say. So through to round five, and uh, yeah, so the last sixteen, we shall wait for the draw now and see who we get to play next. Any idea when that draw is, mate? Game, hopefully a home game, mate. Because I, I, I desperately, I must admit, I did want to go to to this particular game, but there was absolutely no chance I could go. But um, I do, I do want to take uh, the little man. Uh, down to watch one of these games. So, yeah, why, why why not make it the next one? Hopefully, we get a. I don't know how much it normally is actually, if I'm honest with you, but um, well, I'm so, sure it's so, not not expensive. For this game, for this game in particular against Manchester United, it was uh, three pound adults, one pound children. Oh, I mean that's Christ. If you drop down the street, you wouldn't pick it up, would you? <laughs> you might you might you might as well uh, you might as well go for that. I'm gonna, I'm going to start walking behind you. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, that's tongue in cheek, of course. Yeah, I'm not... <laughs> So, yeah, so the fourth round, which is the, the round that we've just actually won, and so there's sort of a round in front in the Youth Cup of the uh, the, the Men's Senior FA Cup. Uh, so, yeah, so that's got to be concluded by the 21st of January, so a week on Saturday. Um, so you'd imagine that the draw is going to take place somewhere around then. Uh, but, yeah, the fifth round proper, those games have got to be played by Saturday the 11th of Feb. So, yeah, I imagine the fifth round draw is not going to be too far away. Like I say, no later than, I'd say, that weekend of the 21st. Um, but, yeah, as soon as, it, as soon as it's made, don't worry, we will be telling you about it. Um, if you can't follow our socials, you know, Facebook, Twitter and that, we will be putting it on there. And also we'll be you know, keeping you up to date on this, uh, this very podcast next week or the week after, whenever we get the info through. Uh, talking about future games... The first team we've got one on Saturday, so uh, let's discuss that one. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. So, yes, Michael, Sheffield United away. Um, one of the toughest games I think we'll probably have this season on paper. On paper, mate, but isn't it just the exact type of game that we go and win? 
Well, yes, I think we were. I remember when we played them at home, we were a bit worried, weren't we? And <laughs> we're not not too. Um, how shall we say? Not 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 too looking forward to it, to be honest. But but we ran run out winners that day. Yeah, it'll be it'll be a tricky game, mate. I mean, they they don't concede many goals, Sheffield. Um, I mean, they're I think what after that's five games, I think they'd what won four and drawn one. Um, you know, they've only lost five games all season. So only I think was it only Burnley? I think have got a better record than that, which isn't surprising, seeing that Sheffield are second. But um, it won't be an easy game at all, as we all know. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know, mate. I mean, I, I'm expecting us to lose, but. I've just got something in the back of my mind that this is just so typical Stoke. Uh, if I'm honest with you, you know, go and lose to Burnley and Preston, and then go and beat Sheffield United. Uh, I mean, the only thing I would say, which is probably adding a bit more pressure on, is of course, you know, from a points perspective, Sheffield are uh, what five points um, and a bit of goal difference behind Burnley. So if Burnley go and win and Sheffield don't, that gap becomes very, very big. So I think they will they will be desperate to beat us at the weekend. Yeah, they can't really avoid many slip ups, can they, against teams that you, they would be expecting to beat, even at this stage now. I yeah, suppose the, yeah. the, the most. I mean, you can say the gap to Burnley. I think the gap to third is what they're mainly probably looking at, though, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. That, was it about able. ten points of it or something? 10, 10, 11 points. Yeah, I imagine yeah. if you offered them second place right now at the end of the season, they'd uh, they'd, they'd snap your hand off for it, wouldn't they? <laughs> oh, God, yeah, of course they would. Um, I mean, I'm, like, I'm just having a look here. I mean, when we when we did play with Sheffield, I know we said like we didn't have any sort of good feeling towards the game. I mean, I predicted 0-0 when we played them at home. You predicted 1-1. Graham predicted 1-1. And uh, even the Sheffield United fan, he predicted 1-1 as well. But, <laughs> Johnny... Um, so, none of us, none of us saw a Stoke win that day. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's, I, I can't see a Stoke win either. To be honest, this weekend, <laughs> do you want me to put some stats in there, mate? See if there's, see if there's anything in there we can cling on to. I was going to say, yeah, give me something to grasp onto, please. <laughs> right, so. We have played Sheffield United one hundred and nine times. Thirty six wins, thirty draws, forty three defeats. At Sheffield United, 53, 53 games, 11 wins, 16 draws and 26 defeats. However, we've only lost one of our last six against Sheffield United. Um, whilst the last six games at Bramall Lane, we've won two, drew two and lost two. Which was a th- the two wins being a 3-0 win where we were, tw- after, we were 3-0 up after 20 minutes in 2007. And a 1-0 win in 2004 where Clive Clark scored bang on half-time. I was actually there for that game when Clive Clark scored that goal. Good day out that was. Enjoyed that. Um, We've scored in our last four games at Bramall Lane as well. So that's a good one. Um, Oh yeah, by the way, that Clive Clark goal, sorry, I just failed to mention this, ended a 13-game, 16-year wait for a win against the Blades. So before that win in 2004, we had won versus Sheffield in 16 games over 13... 16 years or 13 games in that time as well. Um, but yeah, most recent, recently we've got much better form, mate. Much better form against them. They don't seem to enjoy playing us, which is good. So, Stoke's away form, 
in the table. We are ninth with 18 points from 13 games. Uh, we have more points away from home than at home, where we've only gained 12 points all season. Quite horrific, really. <laughs> um, Sheffield United's home form has them fifth in the league, actually, which is quite low, really, considering the second. Uh, they've scored 20, they've got won 24 points at home from 12 games, uh, but they also have got more points away from home than they have at home. So away, they've actually got 27 points. Uh, compared to, like I say, the 24 they've, they've got at home. Um, so, yeah, both teams seem to prefer playing away, it seems. So that might benefit us as well. Uh, last last five games, we are 15th in the league with five points from five games, whilst Sheffield United sits second in the most recent form table with 13 points from their five games. Uh, some other stats. So, if Morgan Fox plays 45 minutes more than Lewis Baker in this game, he will become the most used player by Alex Neal. <laughs> Who'd have thought that when he took over? <laughs> what a change in, in contrast that is, mate. Wow. There's only so Baker's only played 45 minutes more, and uh, yeah, he's the most been played more minutes than any other player. Um. Although Dwight Gale has three wins from his four games versus Sheffield United, he's never scored versus the Blades. Uh, they were one of only four current championship sides he's never netted against. Uh, and actually, the top scorer versus Sheffield United in our squad is Aidan Flint, who has scored three in ten games against Sheffield United. Uh-huh. So maybe we need to get him up front. Well, mate, I don't even know where, where the guy is. I'm assuming that Sheffield Wednesday link hasn't gone away just yet. Maybe um, that's why they want to sign him, because he always scores against Sheffield United. <laughs> He's like a hero at Hillsborough. So I'm going to end on this for you. So goal involvement per 90 minutes this season. So this is either like a, a goal or assist per 90 minutes, yeah? So only five players have an average of one goal or assist per three games. So over the course of th- yeah, if you average out how many goals and assists they've got in th- over three games, only th- only five of our players would have either a goal or an assist over the course of three games. Do you get John Stand? Yep. Nick Powell, 0.34 per game. Lewis Baker, 0.35 per game. Tyrese Campbell, 0.36 a game. And Josh Tyman, 0.37 per game. So those are the players that appear to be score, you know, scoring or setting goals up. Lewis Baker, by the way, you say he played a bit deeper. He's actually still our top assist maker this season as well. So top scorer and top assists. Doesn't um, that just go to show how poor we've been this season, to be honest? Because that guy's been off form for so long. Yeah. Um, so, so we've got Powell, Baker, Campbell, Tymon. Who do you think is number one? On this list, who who produces more goals or assists per ninety minutes than any other player in our squad? Oh, jeez. Um, have we said Timon? We've mentioned him already. Yeah, Timon's second. Second, sorry, yeah. So Timon's second, Campbell third, Baker fourth, Powell fifth. Brown, Demargio, Wright, Phillips. Really, one point three eight. Goals or assists per 90 minutes purely because he scored once and he hasn't played 90 minutes yet in total. <laughs> so, so, um, 
Yeah. That's... You wonder why... I mean, obviously, he's only scored the one goal and it was when we were pushing late on and that, but you do wonder why he hasn't had more opportunities, don't you? If he, you know, he did make an impact and let's be honest, it's not as if we've been flush with players making impacts in goal-scoring terms this season. He's clearly not showing something in training, mate. He can't be. Yeah, maybe he's not. Maybe he just doesn't feel he's not physical enough, maybe, or something. Um, so, ref, would you like to tell who the ref is? Go on, then. Yeah, so Chris Cavan is the referee. So, he is actually, this season, he's ref in the Premier League, he's ref in the Europa League, and he's ref in the Nations League. So, they'll be rolling out the red carpet at Bramall Lane, such a prestigious referee, lowering himself to the Championship. Yeah, a bit of bribery going on, no doubt. <laughs> well, 11 games he's ref this season. He's got 42 yellows, no reds, and four penalties. Uh, he's ref Sheffield United on three occasions in the past, giving them five yellows, no reds, no penalties. Um, he's ref Stoke twice, four yellows, no reds, no penalties. Um, he's, in those three games for Sheffield United, they won one, lost two. It is Stokes two games. They have a win and a defeat on the record for those. Well, pretty uneventful then, so we shouldn't expect him to to cause any issues. Then, but that's out of it. Yeah, he seems a pretty level-headed guy. I think I'd, I'd like I say I'd, I'd, I'd know. Obviously, I've seen him ref in the in the Premier League and that, and he seems a decent ref. So, hopefully, it all goes by. You just you know, don't really notice him because that's what you want from a referee, and it's they're not there to be stars of the show. Nope, Mike Dean, take notice. <laughs> so, star of our show, not us do, it's Mr. Gray McGarry. Shall we listen to see what he's uh, got had to say this week? Yeah, no doubt predicting another win because he's too positive. <laughs> <laughs> Hello there, you Stoke City fans. This is Gray McGarry again, once again, getting ready for the Potter's prediction. Well, it all comes off the back of a comfortable FA Cup win, of course, at Hartlepool last Sunday. Set you up nicely for a fourth-round tie against Stevenage at the bet 365. That's all on the back burner, though, because the league table doesn't make good reading at the moment for Stoke City in the Championship. And Alex Neal knows that he has to start getting results to steer them clear of those unwanted relegation battles. Stoke, of course, have a very, very difficult game coming up on Saturday. One that nobody apart from those die-hard Stoke City supporters and those connected to the club would give them a chance of getting anything at the promotion favourites, Sheffield United, especially in front of that passionate Bramall Lane crowd. But football's a funny game. But just before we do give you that prediction, let's say our farewell to Rory Delap, who, of course, has been a terrific servant both on and off the field at Stoke City. He departed for Pastures New earlier this week, so the complete new era starts for Alex Neal at Bramall Lane this Saturday afternoon. Stoke, can they do it? Not many people give them a chance. The bookies certainly won't, but they might just do the bookies a favour. Sheffield United won, Stoke won. One all. So, I said earlier, Ali predicted 1-1, didn't he, when we played them at the bet 365 and went on to win that game 3-1, Mike. So does that mean does that mean that uh, another 3-1 wins on the cards? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I wish I could say yeah, yes, but no. We ain't beating these 3-1, mate. I'm sorry. Uh, but yeah, at least, you know, Graham's, I don't know if it's a subconscious thing to go for 1-1 again, but 
uh, yeah, Graham's always predicting a win. I, I must admit, I much prefer it when he predicts us to lose because then we normally win. So, yeah, we're not winning 3-1, unfortunately. Well, what we'll do then, uh, to try and convince you that, I'm going to go to Johnny from the Shore and View podcast. He predicted 1-1 in that same game back back at the Bet365. So let's get his thoughts on the match ahead of the game and uh, see if he's gone 1-1 as well. Hi, uh, this is Johnny from the Shoreham View, Sheffield United fan channel. Here to talk about our game on Saturday against yourselves in Stoke City and Alex Neal. Um, come off a 2-0 win at Millwall. A win at the Den's never easy, even if, they, even if we put a few, I want to say, fringe players. But no, players going back from injury, etc. Uh, it wasn't as really go-to line-up that we usually go for. But we came away with a 2-0 win. Didn't really get out of second gear. Next round of the cup. Bang him. Before that, QPR away. A team that hadn't scored in ages. Were looking like they were floundering. Weren't doing well, especially at home. Uh, came out the first 10 minutes. Battered them, really. And then switched off. Just thought, oh, we're going to come out of nowhere. And whenever that happens, you run a risk. And we hit that risk dead on. We, we conceded a silly, silly deflected goal and spent the rest of the game chasing. And that's been one of our hindrances this season, is that we can't seem to get in our heads that can't switch off and see you've got a lead. Uh, and we think a lead's just going to come sometimes. Don't get me wrong, when the, when the team's fully fit, when we're firing all cylinders, I don't think there's many that can touch us. Uh, I said from the beginning of the season, if we're fully fit, any team that finishes above us is going to win the league. Uh, I do stand by that. The problem is, we've not got a fully fit squad. Uh, season so far, second place, got a bit of a gap between third, so you can't really complain with how it's going. Uh, I do think we could be doing better. I do think we take us foot off the gas at times and we don't put things to bed as much as we should. But we're sitting in second place and as long as we're there or thereabouts at the end of the season, I'll be a happy man. Just please, for the love of God, no more playoffs. I, I can't do that again. It's becoming uh, PTSD levels of... Uh, dread whenever I think of the words playoffs. Honestly, formation-wise, it's the usual... Th- I, you can have a classic as a three at the back with two wing-backs or a five at the back. It, is, it depends how you look at it, really. Uh, with a three in midfield and two up front, possibly with a one up front and an attacking midfielder, depending on how, we, how we're how we going to approach the game. Place to look out for, Sander Berger, uh, James McAtee, affectionately known as Cup of Tea, or Illiman and Dai, just three players that are out this world. In Anil Admetantapatapatapalapovic, which you call him Anil, uh, he, he's been the sign of the season, though. He, he's one to look out for. Brilliant defender, brilliant going forward, can punish teams brilliantly. Uh, Stoke, strange one for me. The hit and miss, I don't know. Has uh, Delap been recalled? Not Rory, obviously. Um, Rumours are that he's been recalled and he's going somewhere else. But he's a good player. I'm surprised he weren't banging any more goals for you. But some of your fans have told me that's just a Stoke way. Uh, Alex Neal was a strange appointment, but... I say all these things and on paper we should be coming away with a win. And hands on art, I think it's going to be a tough game. Um, tougher than many people give it credit for. But I do think we come away with a 2-0 win. Saying that, I can always see you nicking one. You always seem to against us. <laughs> uh, I would say good luck, but it'd be very disingenuous. Uh, so good luck for the rest of the season after you play us. Thank you. Cheers for that, Johnny. Um, yeah, unfortunately. I mean, I would have loved him to have said 1-1 because then I could have really wound you up and said, come on, Mike, you've got to predict 1-1 as well. We'll need to, re- to <laughs> we need to repeat what we did. Um, but no, 2-0, I think, to be honest, I think that's a, a fair assessment. Um, I mean, can you see many changes in the Stokes side? You know, obviously, from made a few changes for the cup game, 
anyone who came in, you can see keeping their place, Mike. I mean, for me, the, the obvious and easy one is Nick Powell. Powell has to start. Um, he's been showing every time he's come in that he's he, he's worthy. He's he's getting involved. He's he's just looking a little bit like the old Nick Powell we used to like to watch. So, um, Smallbone drops out for Powell. If if Smallbone still finds a way of getting into this team ahead of him, I mean. I don't know. It's just frustrating. So, yeah, for me, mate, um, I'm kind of gone for a five-three-two type of formation. Uh, so I've got Clark on the right, Fox on the left, and then I've got Jagielka, Suter, and Wilmot uh, at the back three centre backs, um, and then I've got Laurent Powell and Baker in the middle with Jacob Brown and Tyrese Campbell up front. So you mentioned there Nick Powell, right, and Will Smallbone. So. <laughs> Going back to XGs here, right? So Nick Powell's expected goals this season. He is he is 1.8. So he scored twice. So he's, he's actually scored twice and Will Smallbone's only scored once. But he's, his XG is 1.8. So in 547 minutes, he's managed to get himself into 1.8 goals of opportunities, if you like. Will Smallbone, in 1,751 minutes... His XG is 1.3. Now, considering they're both supposed to be attacking midfielders, both supposed to be creating and getting on, you know, and getting forward to try and score themselves. Powell, in a third of the minutes, has well surpassed Smallbone already. Yet, seemingly can't get a sniff. Yeah, there you go, mate. That 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 says everything. About him, I mean, if if Nick can do that in in, in well, what he said, in a third of the uh, the amount of time, um, doesn't that just say everything about the effectiveness of Smallbone since he's yeah. come? I mean, if you the, the other the other one on the stat is that Nick Powell averages a goal or assist every five games. Will Smallbone averages a goal or assist every twenty games. How Jesus. can you have an attacking midfielder <laughs> who's supposed to be sort of the linchpin of your side who produces either a goal or an assist twice a season. Well, you can't, can you? That, that's, that's the answer there. You can't. No. He's not. I don't know what he's doing that's keeping him in the squad, but that's it's not an attacking sense, is it, really? Let's be honest. Or at least in the final stages of those attacks, he's not, you know, maybe he's passing the ball onto a time and he's crossing it in and maybe that's where he's coming from. For me, I'd much prefer Nick Powell in there. Having said that, mate, I haven't actually got either of them starting on Saturday. Um, I've got Bonham in goal. I've got Clark and Time and wing-backs. Wilmot, Suter and Fox as the back three. And then I've got Thompson and Laura, uh, Josh Loren as sort of like your deeper midfielders. Lewis Baker playing a little bit further forward or with more licence to get forward. And then I've got Dwight Gale and Tyrese Campbell up front, which means from the FA Cup side that Baker, Wilmot, Suter, Campbell come in, Jagielka, Taylor, Powell and Brown drop out. Fair enough. And I must apologise to Josh Timon if you are listening. Josh, I did not mean to take you out of my team. 
Um, I uh, did this after about three hours worth of sleep this evening. Um, so yeah, I'll, <laughs> I'm replacing Jagielka, moving Fox into the left centre back. And sorry, Josh, you are going on the left wing back position. I can't. Uh, yeah, if anyone's thinking, well, the hell is timing on my team? It was a mistake. So, hundred uh, <laughs> percent timing comes in. Um, but no, but I, th- I think yeah, I, I nearly put Gale on my team. If I'm honest with you, um, I just I don't know. I just think we need pace up front, like absolute raw pace, which is why I've gone for Brown and Campbell. Um, I think it's going to be all about pace here and hit them on the counter attack. We're not going to run these guys off the pitch. So that's why I went for them two up front. But yeah, I was close to putting Galen. Um, the danger man, by the way, Sheffield United, statistically, and die. So he's nine goals, seven assists. So he tops both of those for Sheffield United this season. Top goal scorer and top assists. Um, a real danger man up front there. And he, he, I've, I've watched him a few times this season. He, he definitely makes them tick in the final third. Um, it'd be interesting to see how we how we sort of keep keep him quiet. To be honest, uh, yeah, you got. Tom, I'd say Will Mott and Suter are probably going to be the ones judging by where he plays. The, he is made, but I think we've got obviously you know, they've got a lot of talent in the team. And Billy Sharp, who seems to have been around for about three hundred years, you know, he's probably going to partner him up front. I think he's been he scored against Wigan and Huddersfield as well recently. So you know you're going to have Endai and then. Billy Sharp up front, it's not a bad combination. And they then got, I think it's uh, Daniel Jebison, I think, is, a, is another one. Um, yeah, Owen McBurney scored, I think he scored nine in 12 starts this season. Although so, McBurney looks like he's not going to be featuring mates. I think he's still recovering from an injury. Good. So <laughs> I was going to say, if he's, I was just going to say, if he's back on the bench, just as we've kept the, the front two quiet and then they bring him off the bench. Yeah, I don't have to worry about that. He's uh, he's he's a bit of like an Alex Neal. Um, Hagenbottom is he he's, he doesn't give anything away on in his injuries. They said he was getting back to his you know back to fitness and you know get, get ready to play the other week, and he hasn't even been on the bench. So whether he's had a setback or whatever, but according to the reports in, in Sheffield, mate, he's uh, he's not going to make it, which is good for us. Yeah, I mean, I think if you're looking at threats as well, it's. It appears to me that the the attack were through like through their wing backs, are the ones that create a lot of chances and sort of where a lot of the goals come from for them. Um, so you've got uh, you've got Max Lowe, um, who gets 0.44 assists per 90 minutes. So he hasn't played a great deal this season. Um, he hasn't played a great deal lately either, to be honest. But when he does play, when he gets himself on the pitch. He, uh, he seems to be, like I say, putting the crosses in and putting the balls in from defence to, to to create goals. So he's, he's definitely somebody we can be watching. Um, and I've noticed as well, he's not the only defender, to be honest. The, the whoever plays sort of the wider positions for Sheffield United seems to must be getting a lot of crosses in because that's where the danger seems to be coming from and, and where they're getting a lot of goals, a lot of assists from that area. Well, one thing I noticed, mate, as well, was they aren't really dominating possession at home. Uh, I know when they played Coventry, I mean, look at the stats here, I know Coventry actually lost 3-1, but Coventry had 56% of possession. Um, you know, they had more shots uh, than Sheffield, and they had more shots on target than Sheffield, but still lost 3-1. So it, sh- it shows you that they are clinical 
and uh, in, in front of in front of the goal, which you know we have been a team who didn't really need to give opposition many chances to score, so um, we need to to find a way of keeping them out, mate. Where I don't know, would you rather? I personally would rather us to be hitting this type of a team on the counter attack. Do you think we'll try and go there and dominate possession if we get given the opportunity, or do you think uh, it'll be a more of a, an a counter attacking? Well. We we're all familiar with how Rotherham can go to a, away to a side in red and white, and absolutely nick a nick a win one nil win out of nowhere, are we? Yeah. So when they played um, Sheffield United, which it was in it was in November, it was the last game I think before the uh, the World Cup break. Sheffield United had sixty six percent possession, fourteen shots to four, five on target against two. They had 12 corners to Rotherham's one, but lost 1-0. Pretty good at that, Rotherham, aren't they? So, like you say, it could it be that we go back, we sit, we narrow, compact, we don't give them any chances, and then we use our pace. Like I say, do we Campbell, um, get time and get in Clark attacking when we've got the ball and really bombing forward? Um Maybe even introducing a you know, Fossu for Gale with 20 to go or something. Somebody else with pace and trickery. And, and you can say, just try and nick a 1-0 win. Could that be the way to go, do you think? The best way to go? Yeah, I, I think that's the way to go, mate. You mentioned Paul Hacking, Bob. I was going to leave, sort of, um, just end on this then. So Paul Heckingbottom is the fifth longest serving manager in the in the division. I'm going to keep going back to this when I get an opportunity. How I was going to say, mate, with about six weeks. <laughs> 14 months he's been in charge. Right. Okay. He's serving manager. Alex Neal's now still 12th. So that means that 11, 11 of the current league managers started this season. Only seven of them ended last season. So since the end of last season, 17 clubs have changed manager. It's crazy. Crazy championship. So, so next season, then, Alex Neal will be right up there. If he's still in charge this time next season, he'll probably be like third or something. Mate, he better be. I can't cope with another manager, especially if his name is ends with Neil or O'Neill. No, I can't be doing with that. It's a bloody Ma- nightmare. <laughs> Martin O'Neill's the next manager. Oh Christ, no, no, thank you. <laughs> Back to the Irish O'Neill or a different Irish. Um, so obviously predictions. Uh, what are you going for then, mate? So we've got 2-0, um, 2-0 from obviously our Sheffield United uh, Shore and View podcast there. 1-1 with Graham. I am going to say, I don't do this very often, I'm going to say that Sheffield United are going to win this 2-1. Um, mine's slightly worse, 3-1 to Sheffield United. Okay. And I actually think, or revert to type, and I think we will go 1-0 up. Do you? Mm, I do. Well, do you know the only the only defeat that I've predicted for us this season was a two one defeat away at Burnley, and we managed to snatch a point in that game. So I would take that right now. Uh, and actually, Graham, looking at this table, Graham McGarry predicted one one in that game as well. <laughs> would you like to know, by the way, how this prediction table's going? Well, if I'm at the top, yes. Uh, so. Our opposition fan 
So their predictions, they've got 19 points. So the way they do it, you get two points if you get the result right, and you get a bonus five points if you get the score bang on. Okay? So they've got 19 points this season. I've got 20 points. Graham's got 22. And you are leading the way on 24 points. Hey, don't know how I've done that, but thank you. I'll give you the tenner later. I'll be quite happy for none of us to add to our totals this week as Stoke romp to a nice 3-0 win or something. <laughs> and we all go, oh, no points on the predictor table this week. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's interesting as well. Uh, if you if you go onto our Twitter, I'll, I'll put the, the table out of what we've actually predicted as well, as opposed to what the results have been. And it's funny to see the ultra-positive me, the probably more sensible you, the very positive Graham and then the no one can bring themselves to say their team or lose opposition fan. I think we've only had one person that <laughs> we've only had one all season say that, that we would win. <laughs> uh, so other other things to update, a bit of um thing. Jack Curran leads the way on Gaffer. He's got a decent lead now. He's got two thousand and forty nine points. Um so second place is at Stoke Gaffer. They've got nineteen hundred and seventy four. Uh, third place, Pookie Blinders on 1931. Uh, I love this name. It's, it's a new one. I haven't seen this one. But where's Wally? Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, I've not seen that one. Yeah, so not what, not where's Wally, but where's Wally? Takes me back to me, me youth playing Wally. Do you play Wally, Mike? Wally is in kicking a ball against the wall, Wally. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, yeah, I was trying to think what else it could have been, but uh, yeah, I, I do remember <laughs> that. Mate. The amount of hours we passed doing that. So they were fourth on eighteen hundred and sixty-two, and then floppy stars on eighteen hundred and thirty-nine. They were in fifth. I am twenty-seventh with thirteen hundred and seventy-seven, and you are thirty-fourth with thirteen hundred and thirty-four. Yeah. Super six. Did you remember to do your FA Cup Super Six? Oh, did I? I got four points. Hang on, let's have a look. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. I only got four points, mate. And that was a predicting a Sheffield United win versus Millwall and a Brighton win versus Middlesbrough. Um, yeah, didn't do too well this week. I did not <laughs> remember. What a surprise. So I slipped back down to 85th on 144 points. You are in 64th on 199 our top four, so in fourth place, we've got Mick, uh, Nick Green on 270 points. We've got Mick Robinson on 272. Uh, Matt Robinson, sorry, on 272. Uh, 282 points. Second place is Luke Higgins. And leading the way is another Luke, Luke Jones on 288 points. So well done to you lot. I bet you don't miss any weeks. He's actually got double my score. So... I've got a nice little quiz here for you, mate. Eight, eight, eight questions. I'm going to fire straight into them, yeah? So Go on, then. In, in our 3 0 win at Bramall Lane in 2007, on our way to promotion to the Premier League, which future Stoke striker scored an own goal for us that day? Uh, future Stoke striker? Yes. Ooh. Um, oh, mate, you really make me think back here, don't you? So, so Richard Craswell scored, Ryan yeah. scored, 
And this future Stoke striker board for Sheffield. Oh yeah, sorry. Yeah, didn't he used to play for him? It's BT, isn't it? Yes, that's the one. Yeah, he he scored the second one off a corner, wasn't it? So, question number two: Which of these strikers didn't play for both clubs? These four names. Which one of these didn't play for both clubs? Bruce Dyer, Stephen Fletcher. Carla Saba or Adyakin Bay? Bruce Dyer? No, Bruce Dyer did play for Sheffield United. Um, Stephen Fletcher, he played for uh, Sheffield Wednesday. Never played. Between him and Fletch for me, I went for the wrong one. Okay. Uh, question number three James Beattie joined Stoke on the 10th of January 2009, which was actually the anniversary when I was making these questions. Uh, <laughs> what, <laughs> what was the reported fee? Ooh. Um it wasn't much. It really wasn't much. I'm gonna go. Have I got like a leeway window here? I'll give you half a million quid. Yeah, yeah, go three, go three. Three point five million, so you just oh. half a million. Well done. Uh number four, which other player joined Stoke from Sheffield United that season? Um, oh, so this is like 2009-ish. Yeah, so first season in the Premier League. Oh, I can't think, mate. Go on. Michael Tong, £2 million. Oh, of course. Yeah, one of those uh, jerk reaction deals we had to do to get bodies in, wasn't it? Yeah, him and uh, Tom Sawes wanted the other one. Don't like yeah. day. I should know that. We talked about that last week, I think. <laughs> we did, yeah. Uh, question number five. Who has played more Premier League games, Stoke or Sheffield United? So these are only Premier League games, so 1992 onwards. Sorry, we do know that football did exist before and for anyone starts shouting at us, but it was just easier to find the stats on this one. <laughs> um, Stoke. Yes, Stoke played 380 games, obviously 10 years. Sheffield United has played 196 games in the Premier League. So they've only been in there five seasons compared to our ten. Yeah, that that was an easier one for me. I think. Yeah, I sort of thought it was, mate. It was, I knew we were there now longer than them, so it must have been the case. Uh, which three players in, in the Saturday squads have both play have played for both clubs? So there'll be three players in the current Sheffield United and Stoke squads who have played for both teams. Oh, this is tricky, actually. There's one Stoke player. Oh, uh, well, Jaggy Alka will be one of them then, won't he? Jaggy Alka is the Stoke player. And there's two, two Sheffield United players. Um, One was on loan here from Sheffield United. And one left to join Sheffield United this time last year. Oh, um... Oh, bloody hell. No, no, it's not coming to me, mate. I don't want to keep everyone here for hours. <laughs> Go on. Adam Davies. Oh, of course. He hasn't bloody played from either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's made three. He's played three games now because the goalkeeper Ooh. got sent off for punching somebody after the final whistle. <laughs> and Reese Norrington Davies. God, yeah. Uh, so, question seven. 
this isn't Sheffield United related, but I just it's fun. So Martin Goodfellow played for Stoke in the early two thousands. Remember him? I do remember Goodfellow. I quite like him actually. He was uh, he never did anything amazing, but yeah. Do you remember what his nickname was? Uh, no, no. Freezer. <laughs> okay. So that's the that's question seven. Question eight is why was his nickname Freezer? God. Um God, it's something stupid, isn't it? It is something stupid. <laughs> Did he leave the freezer door open? <laughs> no. His fruit got defrosted. Apparently, his mates used to sing on his birthday, his mates would sing to him, Freezer Jolly Good Fellow. Oh God. So it stuck with Freezer. That's crap. Okay. That's really bad, isn't it? <laughs> Pretty dreadful. I, I'm not going to quiz his mate, especially at three minutes to midnight when uh, when you've you spent half the night asleep. I have, mate. I'm still, I'm still half asleep. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you have, uh, we've kept you awake, if not Mike, <laughs> for the past uh, over the course of this podcast. Um, and yes, I mean. Is there something we need to let people know about Mike, do you think? Is it is the special for Monday? I think so, yeah. Do you think, do you think people need to know? Go on then. I mean, if, if that, that's if everyone's been asleep in terms of social media for the last 24 hours. But yeah, go on, I'll, I'll, let, you, uh, I'll let you sell it. So yeah, so for those for those of you who haven't seen on, on our Twitter or Facebook, uh, we this week had the pleasure of interview, interviewing football agent Gary Mellor who, as a lifelong Stoke fan and um, close, obviously works very closely with Stoke, he's got a lot of Stoke players in his books, um, he gave us quite an insightful view, didn't he, into the world of football agency and also, you know, quite a few stories about, you know, players who nearly signed and then, the, you know, the, why, why they didn't and stuff and the lengths he's had to go to to get sort of deals over the, over the, the line and that. Um, but yeah, it was really good, really insightful. So just over an hour once it marked that we had him for, and and yeah, it was, um, really, that's going to be coming out on Monday. But yeah, it's a fantastic lesson if we do say so ourselves. <laughs> it's it's one of the for me the the best interviews that we've done. I know we've done Tyrese and various other things, but um, it just dispels a few myths for me. And it it, it was just a really good interview. Yeah, like you said, we find out a bit more about Will's transfer. Um, you know, again, we talk about Connor Taylor and obviously what Gary thinks obviously about Connor Taylor. And there's that, there's, there's so much to go through. We could have kept Gary for at least another hour if we were, didn't have some time constraints. So, um, yeah, I think that's uh, a nice little teaser, mate. Oh, yes. Hope you've enjoyed it. Have a safe journey up to Sheffield, to Bramall Lane, everybody who's going up, all the Potters fans making your way up there on Saturday. Um, let's roll on the lads and let's bring three points back with us. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.